Welcome to Three Blondes, One Battle. I have a special guest with me today. His name is Matt Wolf. I actually met him here in North Carolina, and um, I think that his story is one that many of you listeners would be interested in. No, he does not uh, manage MS. However, he is managing pancreatic cancer for the second time, and a lot of you have listened to uh, all three of us manage MS three completely different ways. And when it comes to the way I manage MS holistically and naturally, uh, Matt, that is, that's Matt's beliefs. So welcome Matt to the show. Good morning. Actually, Good morning. I, guess it's, I guess it's afternoon now. Well, depending on where they're listening, uh, it could be morning. <laughs> um, but five yeah. o'clock somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining. And um, I think that your you know story is so impactful. I think that what you've done and what you're currently doing, uh, you know, when 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 people hear that diagnosis, like we were just chatting off camera of you have cancer, it's it's kind of it like the most scariest thing ever. Um, and wouldn't you say that, well, I'll just let you, I'll let you take the floor when it comes to, uh, that being kind of one of the scariest moments of your life is hearing that. Uh, I mean, this, this kind of goes back to if you are somewhat in tune with your body, this is where, this is where your upbringing really comes into play. Um, if you are a lackadaisical person or you were raised in a lackadaisical family where you didn't really pay attention to the details or your surroundings or had absolutely no situational awareness, not only for yourself, but other people. Um, you know, it's kind of like that annoying dog that just keeps jumping on you and you, you know, had no training. Um, in this case, you, you do it with your, with your body. Um, and I've always been the person in my life. My dad was a nuclear engineer. Um, he handed me my first race car in a box with no instructions. Um, if you fast forward, it helps me at Ikea these days because the instructions are always backwards. But, um, with those things, my, my dad was always the person who you, you got to find your own path. Um, I'll help you, but I'm not going to hold your hand. And the other side of the coin is, is if you are truly aware of your surroundings, a, how you treat people, um, you know, just don't, just don't be mean. Um, everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different path and you can't walk in their shoes. So when it, when it comes to things, whether it's your situational awareness or taking care of your body, or even just simply being aware of what your friends are going through. I mean, uh, how many times have you asked somebody, are you doing okay? How are you doing all the above? And in all reality, in the English language, that's just idle chit chat. But mm -hmm. for me to you, if I ask you how you're doing, I don't want you to sugarcoat it. I want you to tell me how you're doing. I'm asking you legitimately how you're doing. So with that being said, what ends up happening is, is we all get headaches. We all get body aches. We all get pains. We all get all these things. And when you say, hey, how are you doing? You're like, ah, I'm a little tense today. Well, how many days have you been tense? How many days have you been in pain? How many days have you had a headache? How many, like all of those things add up. And if you just rack it up to life, then you're really not paying attention, not only to yourself, but life in general. So I've always been one of those people that have always paid attention to what's going on. And more than likely, it was because I had hypoglycemia as a kid. I still have it. So therefore, my blood sugar is regulating all of the above. And 
the hypoglycemia will come in later in the story. But when you start paying attention to your body, you know that an Advil isn't going to fix it. Um, a, a heating pad might help you out, but there's a, there's an underlining issue of what the problem is. Go fix the underlining issue, and then you can truly be healthy, not only in the body, but in the mind as well. Peace of mind is, I'm telling you, oxidative stress will kill you. Flat just kill you. It will kill you faster than cancer. It will kill you faster than any ailment. It, it, it's sad that people do not pay attention to their bodies until they absolutely have to. And then they will allow somebody else to direct the direction that they go when the person is literally looking at labs or, or some type of documentation and then offering an opinion of which direction they should go without actually knowing the history of the patient. That bothers the crap out of me. Right. And that's what typically people do is they listen to their doctors because the doctors are, you know, uh, the professionals instead of, you know, going decades after decades of listening to your body and kind of learning it. And don't you think looking back, I mean, if you've been in this world for, you know, 20, 30 years, don't you think it's getting better? Don't you think in 2024, more people are at least more aware that you're supposed to kind of be paying attention as opposed to 10 years ago? Uh, in one regard, yes, I will agree with you, but it, the generation that is coming around now, we are all sheep. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're just a lot of sheep and it's unfortunate on the health side because when you are an advocate of your own body and you know, your own body, when you go against the grain, you're looked at as an outsider or you don't know what you're talking about. And, and I've, and I've run into that myself with highly expensive oncologists who are notable rock stars in their field, but they only are practicing medicine with what they were taught or what they're paid to do instead of thinking outside the box for the patient's well-being. Correct. And that's the same with neurologists, oncologists, neurology. I mean, the same, same. So you get a diagnosis of MS and they're going to prescribe you what drugs are on the market right now, because that's really the window that they were taught. They weren't taught outside of that. So everything else you're going to have to learn on your own. Now, um, ironically, uh, I live in downtown Winston-Salem. I live in the old Winston cigarette factory called Plant 64. When you walk out the third floor of this building, you walk right smack dab into the front door of Wake Forest Medical. Mm. You want to know what medications come out of that building? Interesting. But at the end of the day, you are 100% correct. Western medicine is medicated. It's the food we eat, the products that we put in our hair, our body, everything that we do to ourselves is gaining a customer base for the for big pharma and medical insurance companies. Right. They're all they're all tied in together. Well, we let's uh, let's rewind and, and bring it back to like your diagnosis. I want to. So you grew up in Vegas, correct? Or you were born in Vegas, grew up. Tell me. San Diego. Yeah. So I was born in Vegas. Um, I've been a racer my entire life. I was conceived at a racetrack. I was born at a racetrack and my dad being in the Navy retired out of San Diego. So I spent a lot of time between, uh, the Valley and Vegas and the oceans in Southern California. And 
I would consider San Diego more my home than Las Vegas, even though I have a 530 <laughs> social security card. But um, San Diego truly is a place where a majority of my friends are. I find peace there. Um, I've done a lot of treatment there. Um, it is a place that is somewhere in the United States that you can go to where you can truly, at least in my opinion, it's one of the nicest cities you can go to weather-wise, people-wise, culture-wise, all of the above, where if you really need to de-stress, San Diego is the place to go. Still? Okay, I heard that it's like an influx of people now. So I was there in, oh my gosh, yeah. 2002. You gotta, you gotta go to the right places. Go to the right place. Got it. Okay. Cause I've never experienced weather. I was like, no wonder everyone moves here. Like this is, this is absolutely heaven. And that was just for five days. I was there. I, um, I, I lived there for a majority of my life and I never owned pants. Pullovers. Yeah, so it was pullovers. a little chilly in the morning. You just threw on a light jacket and then, uh, you know, goes away by 10, 11 in the morning. Pullovers, shorts, and sandals. That is the San Diego way right there. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's see. So let's fast forward to your first, uh, let's do the symptoms. How did you know something was wrong? What what so, happened in your life before? Do you think something caused it? Was there a lot of stress? Can well, you got you to gotta go back to 14 if you want to do that. So in 2014, okay. Um, I had pancreatic stones, didn't know it. Um, I would eat lunch. Your blood sugar would be, you know, it would spike, you know, 160, 170, 180 for people who know blood sugar numbers. And two hours later, I'd be on the floor because it would be 55. I mean, just flat, just pass out, like wake up and be like, what, what how did I get here? Wow. I was operating a piece of equipment and just passed straight out operating the equipment because your when your blood sugar gets that low, your body goes into, yeah. <sighs> I got to save you. So I'm just going to pass you out. So you don't do something dumb. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, at that point in time, you're trying to figure out what's going on and why my, why my blood sugars are bouncing all over the place. And, um, I had a, I had a lot of business stuff going on at the time and just life in general, uh, just trying to figure things out. And, um, we finally got the, the stone thing rectified and things got a little bit better. Well, I travel for motorsports and the first eight weeks of the year are an absolute crapshoot for my schedule. And I was living in Oregon at the time in 19 and I would fly to Florida for a couple of weeks and I would go racing and then I would fly home and, um, Florida humidity and Oregon coast humidity are relatively the same except for the temperature. And there would, anytime that you go north or south on the latitude of the world, your frequency changes. It's called grounding. And as long as you ground yourself wherever you go, if you flew around the equator, all the way around the equator, you would never have to ground yourself because you're staying on the same plane. But if you go north or south of the equator, people get jet lag. It's not jet lag. The magnetic pulse has changed and your frequency from where you were at to where you landed are, are different from each other. And now your body's trying to figure out where you are. Mm. So when you fly from Florida to Oregon, obviously that's a big jump in latitude. And it, it would always take a, you know, a day or two to reacclimate. Well, in four days, I went from a respiratory tract infection to bronchitis to pneumonia to walking pneumonia to double pneumonia. And I went, something's wrong. I don't ever get this sick. Um, I don't. 
I don't take medications. I don't mask anything. I don't, uh, you know, if, if I'm going to get sick, I'm going to do collodial silver and I'm going to knock that thing out in, in a short amount of time. Uh, if I'm going to take, M, you know, MMS drops, which are um, a form of treatment that's not readily recognizable, but works. And that's also boost your immune system. So I've done all of these things and I'm like, oh, wow, something's really wrong if I'm this sick and I still maintain my immune system. So I went to the doctor and I don't know if you've ever been to the doctor when you're your own self-advocate. And I said, hey, I would like a full pano. And they looked at me like, you just got pneumonia. You're fine. Just, you know, let's load you up with some antibiotics and you'll be good. And I'm like, not a, not a chance in hell. Nope, not happening. I said, something is literally wrong. Well, we don't, we don't have any markers. I'm like, then let's make some markers. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely make something happen. And I'm like, I don't want my insurance to cover this. I'm willing to write a check. I just need you guys to be able to sign off on everything because I don't know if you've ever had to go in for a PET scan or an MRI or a CT scan or any of the above, but they're not just going to give those to you. Mm-hmm. Even though they can make some money on it, they're just not going to give them to you. So we went, we had about a 36 hour argument on me being able to get in. And we finally figured out and wrote checks to be able to get all this done. And between four different facilities being able to get me in on an emergency basis, when we finally compiled all the information, the doctor looked at me with no, no color in his face. You have stage four pancreatic cancer. And I went, so are you colorless? Because I knew my body that well and knew that there was a problem and you were going to overshadow this. Or are you just surprised that we caught it at all? And he had no response. We're talking glassed over eyes, had no idea what to say. And all he said was good luck. Whoa. So I call my doctor and I go, hey, we just got some scans back. He goes, get to Vegas. He goes, I'm playing golf with a bunch of buddies. We'll make sure we got you. Don't worry about it. Well, he plays golf with some of the leading oncologists in the world. And my doctor's my doctor because his dad was my dad's doctor. Mm. And uh, we, we try to keep it in the family. And um, he's never agreed with anything that I like because he's, he's a medication guy. And I'm not. I'm going to fix the problem. I'm not going to mask the problem. And so we finally get through all these things. Well, we sit down in this meeting and I'm not kidding you. There's, there's 30, $40 million worth of oncologists sitting at this table. Wow. And I walk in, make my pleasantries, shake my hand. And before I sit down, I said, if you have chemo or radiation or any form of standard cancer protocol written on your tablet, on your legal pad or in your mind, please exit stage left. Wait a second. Wait. So you literally were diagnosed with stage four and you already in your mind are like, okay, I'll beat it the natural way. At at no point in your mind were you like, oh crap, I got to do this chemo crap. Nikki, I'm either going to pay to die or I'm going to pay to live. I got two options. There is no in between. So five doctors, one's mine. Take him off the table. Four sitting there. How many got up and left? All of them. Two. Okay. Okay. The next one's very intrigued. He wants to know what's up, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And after I got done explaining to him that I've been in a, I've had friends that are in the naturopath and I'm understand oxalates and 
magnesium and mineral trace minerals and all of the above that I know about my human body. I told him that there's a way to do this. And he looked at me and said, nope. And he got up and left. So now we start with five. One's mine. Three leave. One's sitting there. Happens to be a brain oncologist. One of the leading brain oncologists. Now, mind you, all Western medicine, but notoriety. He's got some published things and I won't mention names, but um, very well documented. And he looked at me and he looked at my doctor and he goes, this is what you wasted our time about. Like he was mad that I wasted time. And I said, it's not about wasting time. It's about figuring out whose team you're on. You're either on team fix it or team bill it. And, and he looked at me like I was the biggest chump in the world. And I'm like, there's, there's no in between here. You're either, you're either going to help me fix this and we're going to be able to document this and write about it, or you're going to bill it out and I'm just going to be another number. Okay, pause. I have a question. So I was diagnosed with MS and then did not have symptoms for six years. So I had six years to research, okay, how am I going to beat this naturally? How am I going to, you know, what are my plans? Who has done it? Who's, who, who's on track that I want to follow? You didn't have that. How did you go into that already having an I concept like, what, how did you, why did you study these type of things before you well, even diagnosed? Here's, here's the kicker. Back up to 14 when I had pancreatic stones. Okay. I had all of these issues that just kept, like, they were weird. But because you're not thinking pancreatic cancer, because right. I don't have any symptoms, you're not ever going, hey, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. It answered every question I ever had of why, okay. what, what my systems, all of the things that I had going on, all of those things. I mean, literally all of those things were answered and it all made sense over the last five years of why my blood sugars were jacked up, why I was having issues digesting things, why I was just having brain fog. Like to me, it answered every question. And the last five years, I like, I just washed like, okay, cool. That's, that was the leading up to that. Now you have to be situationally aware. If those are the symptoms, then you can help somebody else. If you knew those were the, what the symptoms were, check. Well, we're in, his, we're, we're in this brain oncologist's office. And in his boardroom is this long glass wall and this long glass table. And we're sitting all the way down at the end of it. He says, with all due respect, I'm going to have to bow out. You guys can use the office as long as you wish. Water and coffee are down the hall. Mm-hmm. He gets up, walks down the board table, turns out the glass door, and comes all the way down about to the end of the table again, and then turns around and walks back and sticks his head in the door. He goes, with all due respect, kid, you're going to die. And then just walked off. Whoa. My doctor looked at me. Now, mind you, he has his he has his hands in his in his, his head and his hands and all the above. And his words muttered underneath his hands were, "What in the hell did you just do? You asked me to do you a favor, and they did me a favor, and you slapped every single one of them in the face." 
I said, nope, the only thing that they're thinking about is how much money they can make because not one of them was didn't actually care about the diagnosis. They cared about the protocol. Get better friends. Are you guys still friends? My doctor? Yeah, he's still my doctor. He doesn't like what I do, but he, but he has to write my labs and has to do all those things. And, you know, he's been my doctor for now going on 40. Uh, so his dad took over for so 30, 31 years. My doctor has been my doctor. So what did you do from there? Like what, what were your protocols in 2019 to 2020, right? Wasn't it a year? So, so a client of mine, uh, Chris and Darla Hake, who was their, their business owners in on the coast of, of Oregon, uh, they are farm to table people. They are colloidal silver. I don't know if anybody knows what colloidal silver is, um, but to explain it to people, it's basically your immune system in a bottle. When you, when you separate uh, and fragment silver, particles it's every mineral on the planet it is it is an absolute godsend to your body that isn't a supplement that is you know most supplements are not water digestible so um, they, they're not soluble they don't they don't digest and when you take vitamins and supplements unless you know exactly what you're taking or what the chemical makeup of the supplement is you're creating all these supplements on the shelf and you're putting them into your body and you're really just creating really expensive pee because it's going in one hole and out the other and it never actually supplemented your body. So when you're dealing with like collodial silver, MMS, farm to table, you learn really quickly what you can and can't have. Well, you start looking at preservatives in food, dyes, all of the above. And I never really ate bad, but when you have pancreatic cancer and you don't have a, you don't have a lot of time, you basically walk up to your pantry, you open up the door, you bring a giant box, and you empty every shelf in there. Wow. And you take it to the food bank. Somebody's going to eat it, but not you. Okay. And you literally learn how to go to farm to table, grocery store every day, cook fresh, and what sugars do to the body, what sugars do to digestion, what vitamins do, what supplements do, what all of these things that your body needs. And you basically create this list of things that you have to do every day to stay alive. Mm. And you stop everything that you're doing. And your job every day is to stay alive. And in 17 months, we beat pancreatic cancer. But you got to back the story up to the first 30 days. I did MMS drops. I did collodial silver. I did the gym. I did detox. And the way I did detox was uh, Benonite clay magnesium chloride, borax soap, salt, and baking soda. And what that does is it draws toxins out of your body. Now, I just said magnesium chloride. Chloride, magnesium chloride is the flake magnesium, and that's what is a detox that will pull things out. And then magnesium sulfate is what Epsom salt is, and that's what allows you your body to absorb magnesium. So one magnesium is for absorption, one magnesium is for detox, and you have to know which one it is because – if you're magnesium deficient and you're taking magnesium chloride, you're actually pulling stuff out of your body, but you're never actually getting magnesium in. Mm. So being able to educate people on what they absorb into their body, whether it's skin, eyes, feet, you know, there's plenty of absorption parts in the body, but being able to explain to these individuals who have no idea what supplements truly are. And I mean, quote unquote, truly are. 
you you have to you have to dummy it down. You almost have to explain it in cram. So you get yourself Absolutely. a bunch of yeah, you know, and, and get that's a bunch not of crayolas and make yeah, that's stick not figures. being that's not being mean. That's just literally like you know people that have not studied that like in the military we like calling it kiss keep it simple stupid which isn't nice either but <laughs> you just have to keep it simple so people understand it that's exactly right so then you run into a scenario where you have you every cancer every ailment every diagnosis is different there is not one simple solution to any one ailment not one you have to literally like, so let's just take, for instance, you, in my case, uh, let's take my blood work. I'm going to do a, first of all, what's my cancer that, that what is a calcium antigen test, which is a CA test that will determine where your calcium levels are at and what, and how far your cancer level is up or down. And then you want to trace minerals test and that trace minerals test will determine what supplements you actually have to take. Because if you just supplement to supplement, well, you're just wasting time and money. So right. find out where you're deficient and that's supplement what you're deficient, bring the body to at least a somewhat of a level and then, and then go from there. Well, <clears throat> you run into a couple scenarios you have to understand the human being, you have to understand their, what their philosophy of life is. And then you also have to understand what environment they live in. Do they travel? Are they homebodies? Do they work from home? list goes on. All of those things make a big, big difference. And you can't just direct somebody down a rabbit hole without truly knowing who they are, what they do and how they do it. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. So for me, understanding me and then understanding what I do and understanding what other people do, I have come across not necessarily a formula, but a simple way to be able to help people out that doesn't make them feel inadequate, doesn't make them feel stupid and gives them a path that is different than Western medicine. So you beat, so essentially you took what you learned with this couple out of, where were they from? Oregon, you said? Oregon. Oregon. Uh, and, and, and they essentially helped you the first bat <laughs> of yep. being uh, did you use any sort of like energy work on that first time or oxygen therapy or anything like that the first round? So it's amazing when you shut one door and you open up another. And what I mean by that is, is there was a list of people that I had to tell that I had cancer that were important to me and I wanted to tell them face to face. And if you and I are talking today and I said, hey, I would put money on those five people those five people don't exist anymore. They, they, they just walked away. They didn't want to, they didn't want to see the battle. And I had to ask a psychiatrist, like, why, why would people that loved you? Why would, why would those people walk away? And it's because I was told and it makes perfect sense. I'm not a psychiatrist, so I can't tell you, but they wanted to know me for who I was, but not for what I was about to go through because they have seen the cancer battle and what it does to people. And I was very, very thrown back by that because I, in my opinion, if you're friends, you're friends and it doesn't matter what you're going through, you got to be there for them, whether it's a three o'clock phone call or whatever. And so when you, when you 
exit stage left of somebody's life, somebody else replaces it. Well, here's the kicker. I got rid of one negative person and five positive people showed up. So now all of a sudden, here comes my clients that are lifesavers. And then all of a sudden, the Beamer Corporation came in for PMF. And then the CVAC Corporation came in. And then I got hooked up with uh, Ascent Adaptation out in Newport Beach. And I got all of this technology that just, I got rid of five negative people that didn't want to be in my life. And all of a sudden, I have all these modalities to help me live. And you're like, wow, that wasn't meant to be. Okay. Was that or was that from networking? You networked with these people or these people found you or how, I, what do you? I happen to be at the right place at the right time. Okay. Intervent. And I was at uh, some friends of mine in Southern California, uh, Lisa and Chris Sinkovich, who are the, uh, they run um, uh, Encinitas Flow, which is a Beamer, uh, I don't know if anybody knows what Beamer is, but Beamer is PEMF. It's a pulse electric magnetic frequency. And they have a, they have a little studio there. And while I was at their studio, a gentleman who knew about red light and CVAC and all of these things happened to be there. And he was a rep at Beamer. And he called up to Newport beach and said, Hey, I have a, I have somebody that needs to see you. We need to go up there. And they said, let's go right now. So we literally jumped in a car didn't know this man from Adam jumped in a car and an hour later we're in Newport beach and I get to play with CVAC and red light and all of these cool modalities. And now all of a sudden you instantly feel better. So you got to do all of these energy technologies and you got to do all of these things. And it just one door led to another door, led to another door and led to another door. And I am a strong believer that things don't happen just out of the blue. Mm -hmm. Nothing is by happenstance. So right. I feel that me in 14 under, you know, learn, going through all of the processes of not feeling good. And then all of a sudden getting an answer of why I didn't feel good. And then having people leave my life that really never benefited my life. And then having all these people in my life now, like it, all of this stuff was written. It was supposed to be this way. So mm -hmm. I don't feel, I get the question all the time. Oh man, I'm sorry you have cancer. I'm like, I'm not. I'm a much better human being. I have much better people in my life and I now have a purpose because I can help people out. Yeah, I love that. So you were introduced to all of that over the five, no, not five years. So what, three years maybe? And then you had your accident last January, February-ish. And, and yeah, that was, that was weird. I was, I was 51 days from remission. Um, so for people who don't understand the way cancer works, um, you have a cancer antigen number um, so like mine's a CA 19 breast cancer is 125. Um, they, there's all of these different cancer numbers that are, have a different remission number. So for me, 37 was where that number is, where it's up and down, where anything below 37, your body, the cancer gene is dormant. Okay. It's still there. Everybody has a cancer gene, but it's dormant. It doesn't do anything until the little glass vial breaks inside your body. And then all of a sudden you have cancer and <clears throat> The, that number, it took me 17 months to get below 37. And the last four or five numbers were the toughest. And I, and on my Facebook page, I have, I have videos of all of that. And you're just like, my Lordy, like, it's a cruel joke that God plays on you when you bust your butt and the needle barely moves and you're doing absolutely everything. Like, you know, there's this, there's this story 
that God only meets you halfway kind of thing. And whether you're religious, you're spiritual, whatever it is, but if you're going to do something, regardless of who it's with, whether it's spiritually or with your friends, you at least have to meet them halfway. So nobody's working, nobody's carrying the load. Well, in, in my mind, I had to meet him at the door. Well, I didn't, I didn't just wait for him to come to me. I literally went and knocked on the door and he had to jump. He had to jump over me to get the paper in the morning. That's how, that's how important this was to me to be able to put my best foot forward to help myself. And then the other side of the coin is, is to be able to put people around you that all have the same philosophy and you all can get put on the same train on the same track. And that's, that's the problem that you run into with Western medicine is they don't worry. They don't ever take the patient into equality. Uh, They don't take any information that is truly given and make a best protocol for the patient. It's whatever is best for the, for big pharma and being able to move forward, move the needle and the cancer research and all of the other things that they do, like all of these things are all convoluted. And when you add the right people in place, it's amazing how fast you can heal. I totally agree. Yeah, it's all about who you surround yourself with. And that brings me back to the beginning, how I was saying that you want to find people that have done it, right? You don't want to follow people that are in the process of figuring it out. You want to find people like you that have figured it out um, and that actually have time to teach you as well. Um, whether it's in a friendship, whether it's in, you know, like this is a great time to talk about your nonprofit. Like I, I, you know, you and I agree in the sense, well, and in many things, but also in the sense that, you know, these, these things just don't happen. They, yeah. they, they happen. So they teach us how we can in turn help others um, by teaching them what we have learned. So your nonprofit is very interesting to me. Um, I love, so, so tell us what project, tell us what bouncy ball means. So project bouncy ball is, a, it's a, in, in all reality, it's a practical application to be able to showcase what people can do with their mind. And when you run into a situation where it's mind over matter, uh, you're on an uphill battle. Okay, the uphill battle is this. Um, I have cancer. It's not a very good diagnosis. Where do I go? Uh, I have MS. Uh, It's not a very good diagnosis. Where do I go? Uh, It could be simple, simple. Um, Hey, I have have a broken bone, but it's not requiring surgery. And yet the, the simple act is just put me in a cast. Where do I go? Um, for the most part, there's no real documentation out there for the best in the business, so to speak, because it's usually buried under a hospital or a practice or all the above. And there's really nothing that's ever in black and white in neon that says, we're here to help you. And this is who can help you. So when it first, when Project Bouncy Ball first came out, it was, you can put all of this negative energy into, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh my God, I'm going to die. Oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. Oh my, like all of these things that just freak you out. Mm-hmm. We, we do that with our grocery list. Like, I don't have time to go to the grocery store. Like, what am I going to do? You know, there's, there's so many things that frustrate us. And there's so many things that we just concentrate on the negative 
that unless you have something tangible to reset the mind immediately, you stay on that course until something happens that resets you. Right. So when you put positive energy into something, unless you know where the outcome is, you don't actually see it. So therefore you just lose hope. Well, if you have a bouncy ball and you put, you bounce it, the harder you bounce it, the harder it comes up and then it just continues to bounce. Well, you have a choice. You can either continue to bounce it, whether it's a bouncy ball, a basketball, anything that you can bounce. But if you let it, if you just let it die and, and rest on the floor, you got to pick it back up and you got to start all over again. So it's a whole lot easier to keep your ball bouncing than it is to start from scratch. And when your ball's bouncing, negativity can't hit a moving target. So to be able to put a bouncy ball into somebody's hand or in their pocket, in their purse, on their desk, wherever it happens to be, and they're having a bad day, they look at the ball and you'd be amazed how many times I get videos of people just bouncing their ball. And there's no words. It's just them showcasing the gratitude that they have because they were in a bad spot and now here they are bouncing their ball. Mm -hmm. And it's the simplest of toys. Like there's been many people that have just come to me. They found out what was going on with me and they felt that they could open up. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody that's going through an ambulance, if you see me on the street, I will stop and listen. But for the people who don't necessarily know what Project Bouncy Ball is, and they start down this negative path and you hand them this toy, they look at you like, I just, I just told you that I'm dying and you're handing me a toy. Then they realize what the Bouncy Ball actually can do for them. And it's the greatest gift that they've ever received. So tell me a little bit about that. So you started that, your website says 2019, and how many people have you helped since 2019? Uh, well, that's a that's a two-part question. How many balls have gone out or how many people have that I have physically put helped through type of program? Mentor, mentor and provided funds because you have corporate donors that you, because we talked about this we, off, off camera, we are very social people. So what you did in your twenties with your brother, starting that, you know, car business in Vegas, like ever since you were young, you're used to networking. You talk to people, you get to know people, people get to know you. So in turn, it's worked out fantastic for you because you have corporate donors that know what you're doing. Um, they're willing to give their money towards your nonprofit that in turn helps others with cancer pay for things that they can't pay for. So how many people have you helped through that? We're, we're 200 plus people. That's amazing. And probably triple that on just simple phone calls, text messages and direction. Wow. It's, um, it's humbling when you, you know, it's like that movie guardian with, a. Uh, with um, Kevin Costner and, and Kusher, it's, um, you know, what's your number? You know, he wanted to know what his number was. And, you know, Costner says, you know, I, it, the number's lower than what he thought it was. And he's like, that's not how many people I saved. That's how many people we've lost. Mm -hmm. And um, in, you know, cancer is inevitable with the food we eat, the environment we're in, the water we drink, all of those things, you know, we are, we are a product of our environment and it's not a matter of if it's when. Um, the number of cancer from the 60s to now, uh, it was one in 10. Now one in three get it. 
Wow. Well, MS, MS is, MS is even worse. And um, unfortunately, uh, my diagnosis was one in 980,000 on the survival rate. Now, God rest their souls. Um, there was seven people that were diagnosed in around the same time I was with different various cancers. And those seven people are no longer on this planet. And they did chemo and radiation. They did Western medicine. And this, sometimes I feel guilty because I'm still standing here and it's, um, it's rough to go through those things and watch that because you're frustrated that Western medicine can't, that doesn't, Western medicine doesn't want to help people. That's just, that's just put it out there. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Western medicine doesn't want to help people. They just want to make money and you become a number. And if you pass away, man, you, you live man, you fought this heartfelt battle and you still lost. And you're just like, you shake your head because you, you don't know that you could have helped somebody, but you certainly know that you could have at least prolonged the situation. And, and here's a, here's a scenario. Um, I had a friend of mine call me and he goes, you need to take the next phone call. And as I'm finishing up this conversation with him, the phone, it clicks over on me and he, and I go, is it, I said, is, is, is this the call? He's like, yeah, I take this call. They don't know me from Adam. I don't know. I've never met them. I've never seen them. I've never socialized with them. This was just simply a referral. Stage four stomach cancer. Mm. Well, that's, that's up there with pancreatic stage four stomach cancer is about a one in 700,000 shot that you got it, that you got to live. And we immediately put them on the same stuff that I was on because it's, for 99% of any cancer patient, the, the MMS and the red light and the CVAC and the scalar wave stuff that we do will help any cancer patient. It's a matter of just understanding their diets. Um, if it's breast cancers, it's estrogen levels, but understanding each individual patient is completely different in the nuances, but the overall spectrum, the treatment that I do and the modalities that we use will help absolutely everybody and everybody, whether you're healthy or you have cancer or not. And we started this program. We got every, we got him started. His number started coming down. And 11 months later, uh, I was on vacation. I got back in the country and I get a phone call from his wife and he wanted to, she wanted to let me know that he had passed. And here I am sad because I thought we were, we were really doing well. And come to find out he didn't actually die from cancer. He died of septus. And I'm like, how does that even happen? Hmm. Like we just kicked stage four stomach cancer's ass and you die of septus. How does, how does that, that blows my mind. Right. I want to make well, that sure that wasn't the, that was, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of popular people, uh, you're not talking, talking about Toby Keith, are you? I just want to make sure like, that's not the friend. Okay. 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 All right. Cause then that, that would be like a huge no, blow. But, but I, um, I would, uh, I would certainly, um, I would certainly do beer for my horses and whiskey for my men. I would definitely do that, you know, and I do love this bar. <laughs> um, no, the, uh, 
unfortunately, the sad part about this was, and I didn't know about it until after the fact. Here I am sad because I put a lot of effort into this personally um, because it was a it was a very, very good, good, longtime friend of mine who asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. And I have the utmost respect for him. Uh, he, he, he was there when my dad died. He, he's been a father figure to me. And if he asked me for a favor, I'm going to fly across the country and help this guy out. And so for his friends to have pain and anguish and, and some stuff going on and for him to call me and say, can you help out? I'm going to do absolutely everything in my power, even if it costs me money, time, effort, doesn't matter. I'm full, all hands on deck. And I was upset, physically upset for a couple of days that he was no longer with us. And I was more upset about the sepsis than I was that he was gone. And I finally got on the phone with his wife after a couple of days of miscellaneous. And, I, and I'm just still distraught. And she said, you don't need to be distraught, man. We are grateful for you. Thank you. And I go, no, nah, I, I really honestly thought that we had this beat. She goes, you did. Here was the problem. Uh, when we called you, we were told that we had 24 hours to live. Hmm. Um, um, that's heavy. And I go, why didn't you tell me? She goes, would you have taken the phone call? Absolutely. Absolutely, I would have. Because even if it was the inevitable, you would have at least gone out knowing that there was somebody who cared. And that weighs heavy on a lot of people because this goes back to I hadn't people leave my life. Mm-hmm. Well, it, when you go through stuff like this, you realize who your true friends are. Oh, sure. And for me, if somebody calls me up, it could be a text message. It could be a Facebook message. It could be, it could be Twitter. It could be social media land. We could be at a grocery store just picking out veggies. If you have an ailment or you have a serious problem, I'm going to treat you as if I've known you forever. I'm going to treat you as a human being who's going through a problem, who doesn't have a way out. And I'm going to simply just simplify the process. Very simple. Ask questions. That's the first thing you got to do. Ask questions. The second thing you have to do is you have to understand what they've gone through and what direction they're going. So you can determine whether they need to take a left at Albuquerque or not. And then the last thing is, is if you say something to somebody, I got you. Hey, call me up anytime. If I ask how you're doing, those words of affirmation, they mean something. We're not joking around when it comes to health. If I say, call me at three o'clock in the morning and my phone doesn't ring when you need, when you need somebody to talk to, I'm going to be upset with you because I would take your phone call at three o'clock in the morning and I might not know you from Adam. But the idea is, is there are very few people in this world who are willing to actually put the best foot forward. When you say, is there anything I can do for you? Most people are not prepared for the answer. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to Project Bouncy Ball and it comes to all of these things that you that you that you want to help people, you either truly want to help people or you're just doing it for a social status. Me, if you if you pick up the phone, send me a message, you can send me smoke signals. I don't care. I'm going to be there for you. And if it's three o'clock in the morning, let me put on a pot of coffee. I'll listen all morning long.
whether they're reaching out to you here in North Carolina, whether they're in Iowa, whether they're in Texas, that you probably are able to find facilities um, in their location that they could use when it comes to kind of what you're recommending. Um, is that is that true? Yes. Yeah, so I have. Um, so you and I both use Elevate in Winston-Salem and Elevate has uh, a light stem uh, line of products. Uh, they have a pro panel for the face. They also have a red light bed. And then they also have scalar, excuse me, scalar wave. And the scalar wave side of things is what, what would be called an EE system. Um, but there's those facilities across the country that I have researched and have a database of people where they're at so we can get them they don't have to travel to North Carolina, but if they do need to travel to North Carolina, I have the ability through IHG hotels, Delta Airlines. I have the ability to get some people where they need to be when they need to be there. Um, if they are truly in need and sometimes the people just jump on an airplane and come and hang out. And then there's other times where we send them to other facilities across the country but it's the same group of modalities to be able to help people out. So therefore you can stay consistent in your research. And it's not that I'm doing research at all because th th this is not a research project. Um, we're not, we're not researching anything. We are taking proven modalities and being able to help people through whatever ailment they have, whether it could be sports recovery, it could be cancer, it could be life and death. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter what's going on with the human body. There are plenty of, modalities out there to be able to help people stay healthy. Like we can even help the healthy. That's the, that's the best part about this. If you feel healthy and you just want to maintain and, and actually add some years to your life and longevity and just stay on top of it, we can do that too. Uh, it's a, it's a matter of just understanding what you got going on, what you want to do, how you want to do it and where you want to go. But the majority of everything that we have done has been on the cancer and true 911 cases of health, life and death. Like where you have to look it in the face and go, either am I gonna go with the Western medicine route or I'm gonna go the holistic route and how much time do I have? Okay, just to clarify, those things cost money. So say that they, you know, um, EES, red light therapy, the oxygen, what's the thing that you do in Asheville? Uh, that's a CVAC. Uh, pod and what that is is that's an atmospheric adaptive chamber that is a lymph basically it's a lymphatic massage uh, what it does is uh, it pulls a vacuum as if like you were taking off in an airplane and then landing every five seconds so what it'll do is it'll supply and contract the body and when it supplies and contract the body it opens up all the blood vessels in turn raising mitochondria raising atp raising nitric oxide and it's it's the equivalent of you getting on a treadmill and running at 160 beats a minute and then stopping and then going immediately back to 160 beats a minute and then stopping. It's just less abrupt. So therefore, you get in this pod that makes you look like George Jetson. It will pull a vacuum to, say, 15,000 feet, and then it will release it and it'll put you back on the ground. And that's in that that's that supply and contract with inside this pod is what allows your muscles and blood work and all the above. You'll start feeling the blood move around your body. It's insane.
So my last question. So your nonprofit will pay for people to, to get therapy at these type of locations. So they don't have to worry about, yeah. well, I'm not going to reach out to him because I can't afford that. Yeah. And what we do is it's all segregated. So what I, in, within the foundation, there's all of the segregations of whether you're paying for scans or travel or whatever the deal may be. And we look at the budgets that were, that are in it. And if we're a little short on a budget somewhere, because I will never rob from Peter to pay Paul. So if we got budgets in for scans and you don't need scans, I'm not going to take money out of the scan situation because those are the most expensive. I mean, uh, I don't know anybody who's got a pet scan lately, but they are ridiculous money. But for us to be able to put somebody in a hotel for a week, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that, that we can we can do those kinds of things. And we have partners that are willing to help us out with that for for very little money considering. But it goes back to your health. It's like, how much money do you spend on Starbucks? How much money do you spend on alcohol? How much money do you spend going out? How much money do you spend on just frivolous stuff or materialistic objects to be able to keep up with the Joneses? So let, how can people find you? Let's close with how can people find you? Uh, projectbouncyball.com. My email is matt at projectbouncyball.com. That goes straight to my, that goes straight to my email. Um, my phone number is on the website as well. Uh, for the, if, if you're in the pen and paper world right now, it's 704-213-5855. Just pick up the phone and text me, call me. I'll answer the phone. Um, but the email is the easiest way you can reach out through the website. Okay. So we'll, we'll, I'll actually put this in the show notes as well. So you can, um, link up with him and thank you so much for joining us and listening today. And thank you, Matt, for being on the show. Absolutely. No problem. All right. Take care. Bye.